0: Glad you were able to worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, your copy of God's Word, please turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, there in the Old Testament. I'm going to read from the King James Version. Isaiah chapter 1, and I'm going to share with you verses 18 through 20, and a sermon that I've just simply entitled uh, A Great Invitation. A Great Invitation. Isaiah chapter 1, as we look at God's infallible, his inspired, his inerrant word. Beginning with verse 18, Isaiah chapter 1. God's word says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Though they be, notice that. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white. Just think of that. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. They'll be as white as snow. Verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. There are a lot of things that we do in church, and because we've done them for so long, uh, we just assume that everybody understands why we do them. As long as I can remember attending church, at the end of every message... The preacher, the pastor, would just offer what is referred to as an invitation. And sometimes when we're raised that way, we just assume everybody knows why we do certain things. I can remember years ago being with Vance Hester and we made a visit to a couple's house, and this young couple, this husband and wife. They sat there on their sofa and then knelt down beside their sofa and prayed to receive Christ. They were saved there in their home. And I made this statement to them. I said, now, to, to what you need to do now is you need to be at church Sunday. And when the invitation is given, you need to just come forward and walk down the aisle. And then I'll share your decision with the church. And he looked at me in a very honest way. And he said this. He said, what is an invitation? Well, I just assumed that he knew what an invitation was. Now, you may be new to church, or you may have been raised in a faith or in a belief system that doesn't offer an invitation. You may wonder, well, what's that all about? What do you mean about when you go forward or when you pray or when maybe you talk to the preacher or someone walks out with you and goes into a, a room somewhere? What's what's going on there? You may have seen uh, an invitation extended or, or given at a Billy Graham crusade and Dr. Graham or Franklin Graham now would, a choir would begin to sing, you know, just as I am and then... Dr. Graham would stand up and his son, Franklin, now in his place, would stand up and, and ask people to come. And, and he would make this appeal for them to come forward. And he would say something like, the buses will wait, and, and, but you need to come. And we have people here at the front that will talk with you and that will minister to you. You've seen it, but you really may have not have understood what was going on. Now I want to pause just for a moment And just make a statement that uh, nowhere, after I look back and reflect, nowhere that I can ever recall that I ever communicated that walking down an aisle would save a person. I've never communicated that walking down an aisle or filling out a card would ever save a person. There's no saving merit in walking down an aisle. There's no saving merit in filling out a card. You're simply saved by placing your faith, your heart trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, years ago when I was called to preach and pastor, later on called to pastor this church, there were some preachers then and even today who who were against an invitation they would say, you know, there's there's nothing biblical in giving an invitation in the church, and they would say, you know, it's just kind of a man-made tradition, and they would say, you know, it's uh, really it's it's a rec- of recent origin, and then they would say it can be traced back to the ministry of a man by an evangelist by the name of uh, uh, Charles G Finney in the 19th century. Uh, they would say he was the one that had the mourners' bench, and he was the one that began the altar call. And they would say uh, uh, that's why so many people are lost in church today because people equate walking down an aisle and joining a church with getting saved. And we, and, and they would say we have works with salvation by giving an invitation, and on and on and on and on. And I heard that as a young preacher. I've heard it just recently. And I can remember praying and sharing and, and sharing with the Lord, Lord, I don't want to stop something that's biblical and I don't want to begin anything that's biblical. I want to be biblical about everything. I want to go to the book. I don't want to go to Charles Finney's book. I don't want to go to a man's book. I want to go to your book. I want to go to the Word of God before I start anything or before I stop anything. Now, in regards to extending an invitation, you just need to read your Bible, because when I read the Bible, I, I studied God's Word, and I've I found you can trace a gospel invitation back further than Charles G. Finney. You can trace it back from father from his book. You can really trace it all the way back to the Word of God. There are many invitations in God's Word. There are many invitations in the Holy Bible. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, after the ark was completed, God issued an invitation to Noah and his family, and he told Noah, Come and your household into the ark. Invitation. The Bible says when Moses went up on the Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, And after he received the Ten Commandments, he went back down the mountain and there God's people had built this goat and calf and and they were worshiping this goat and calf. And the Bible says that Moses stood in the city gate and he issued this appeal. He offered an invitation to those. And he said this in Exodus 32, verse 26, Let him that is on the Lord's side come over here. And stand with me. And the Levites went over and stood with Moses. And so the point is, there are many invitations in the Bible, but I feel that Isaiah 1 18 through 20 is perhaps one of the greatest invitations that's been extended uh, by Isaiah. Now, most of the time when a preacher gives the invitations it's at the end of the message, but here, Isaiah extends an invitation at the beginning of the message. And so I want us to see three simple truths in this passage, Isaiah chapter 1, 18 through 20. The first is this, there is a gracious offer from God himself. Look, if you will, at verse 18. God said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. So God says, come now, let us... Meaning, you as a sinner, me as a holy God. He says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And then he goes on to say, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so the important thing here is God initiates, he takes the initiative And then God appeals to the sinner. The point is the one who has offended God, he makes an appeal to the offender, the sinner. Come to me and let us reason together. That word reason is a legal term. It describes someone coming to to the court of law and standing in front of a judge to to settle the, the matter of a case. Now listen, God says to the sinner whose life is stained by sin, though your sins be as scarlet, scarlet, though they be red like crimson. Those two phrases, though your sins be as scarlet, though they be red like crimson, that refers to a particular kind of permanent dye that was very well known of in this time it 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 was a scarlet red it was a it was scarlet red it was near it was near impossible to get this dye off your skin and off your garments He says, but God says that sin has has stained the sin that has stained the human race, the sin that has stained every member of the human race. Every member is a sinner. Every member of the human race is a sinner. For all have sinned. We have that we have that scarlet sin, that that crimson sin in our lives. And this sin stains our souls, this sin stains our actions, this sin stains our thoughts, this sin stains our morals. It makes us feel guilty, it makes us feel dirty on the inside. And we're separated from God and we're lonely and something seems to be missing in our lives. And we have this thirst that can't be quenched and we have this hunger that can't be satisfied. And we live our lives without Christ and without God under this guilt and this load of sin in our lives. It's this inner misery that we have in our lives. You feel like you kind of need a bath on the inside to get rid of the filth and the, the pollution and all the guilt. And the very things that you know that are part of the sin process in your life, you continue to walk in them. It seems that you can't turn them loose. You feel helpless, you feel hopeless, like there's no escape, and there's no way out, and you're just kind of stuck in that miserable condition. And God says this, he says, come to me. Come to me, and let's reason together. You're not coming to me, God said, you're not coming to me for me to beat you up. You're not coming to me for me to uh, browbeat you in regards to your condemnation. The Bible says we're condemned already. But you need to come to me because I'm the judge and we need to settle this matter of your sin guilt. And God said, if you'll come to me, I'll offer you an unconditional pardon. God says, I will expunge, I will erase your record. Think of that. I will erase your record. There won't be any record that you were a fallen sinner, separated from me. None whatsoever. Can you imagine what it would be like for a hardened criminal to stand before a judge and the judge said, I've called you here to where we can just reason together. To see if we can just settle the matter of your sentencing. We just want to reason together. I'm here to offer you a full, free, total pardon. In addition to that, I'm going to erase your crime from the record. And no one's ever going to pull it up again. No one's ever going to pull your guilt. No one's ever going to pull your sin. No one's ever going to pull that up again. And that's what God offers to the sinner. God says, you're lost And God says, you're going to hell. But if you'll just come to me, if you'll come to me, I'll wash your sins away, and you'll be clean, and it'll be as if that you've never sinned. That's what we call justification, just as though we've never sinned. And you'll be forgiven, and it'll never be drug up again. God says, if you'll just come to me, if, you, if you'll just accept the salvation offer in Jesus Christ, not only will I give you heaven, not only will I give you forgiveness, not only will I give you a pardon. not only will I give you abundant life on earth, but I'm going to wash the filth away. I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to make you clean. And when I look at you, I'm not going to see a sinner. But I'm going to see, get this, I'm going to see a saint when I look at you. Look at verse 18. He says this in verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I'm going to give you a pardon that will make you pure in my holy sight. What an invitation. Think of that. What an invitation. You know, our house is brick home, but we have this vinyl side and trim, and and then we have this little screened-in porch next to it, and it's trimmed in vinyl siding. and from time to time you have to go out there and use a strong chemical perhaps, or rocks or our pressure washer, or just just hard scrubbing to to get all the dirt and all the grime and all the the muck out of the crevices of that vinyl. And, And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. I mean, if you'll just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His precious blood that we've sung about this morning, His precious blood inside you is going to wash all that guilt and all that filth and all of that nastiness away. His blood will wash it away and wash it away and wash it away and wash it away. And and you'll never see it again. All that filth, all that guilt, all that sin. That is a great invitation. I read an illustration couple of weeks ago about how a man and his son was watching this parade in England and they were watching the British soldiers come by with their red coats on. They were standing inside this church building and the guy was, the man was looking out of the clear window pane and the little boy, he was standing below him, this little boy was kind of standing on his tiptoes trying to look around the edges and uh, the son said to his dad, says, Don't don't those aren't those beautiful white coats those soldiers are wearing? And the dad says, Son, those those are red coats. And the son said, No, Dad, they're, they're just as pure, they're just as white as they can be. But when the dad looked closer, he noticed the little boy that couldn't reach the clear glass was looking through this red glass, this stained glass that had edged the outside of that window. And when you look at red, through red, you see white. When you look at red, through red, you see white. And here's the point, when God looks at you through the blood of his son Jesus... When he looks at that red blood, he doesn't see red, but he sees white. His blood washes us white as snow. So first of all, there's a gracious offer, and God just simply says, come to me. Secondly, notice real quick, there's this volunteer response. Look, if you will, at verse 19. Verse 19 says this, if you be willing and obedient if you be willing and obedient you shall eat the good of that land if you be willing now every member of the human race has a free will all of us have a free will. Now, I know it's fallen. I know that. I, I know that it's tainted by sin. But every member of the human race is free to accept an invitation by God or to reject an invitation by God. God didn't create, create us as machines. And when he reached down and, and we were converted, we were born again, he didn't create some mechanical being or some robot. But God is saving sinners and He's producing loving worshipers and He's producing disciples that will follow Him. He's producing those who belong uniquely to Him and love Him. Love Him not as a mechanical robot, but not one that's been programmed to, to worship in a certain way, but one that will worship Him just out of gratitude for forgiving them and for saving them. We have his free will. So the point is to everyone, everyone has that free will to accept the invitation or to reject the invitation. Look what the word says there. He says, if you are willing and obedient. If you're willing and obedient. Now, understand that when God offers his invitation, it's an order. It's not a a, uh, suggestion. When he offers the invitation, it's it's an order. The point is, it's your only hope. There's no plan B, and there's no plan C. There's no other way to have your sins forgiven. There's no other way to go to heaven except his way. And he says, if you're willing and if you're obedient, if you respond, you shall eat the, the good of the land. And so the point is, is he pictures what you'll experience if you'll accept this invitation. You know, the children of Israel, they were living in an abundance of the promised land because they obeyed the command of God to cross the River Jordan, enter, uh, uh, cross the, the River Jordan, go into Jericho, go into the promised land. And so it speaks of satisfaction. If you will receive the invitation, you'll be satisfied. You'll, be never, you'll never be hungry. You know, the only one that can satisfy the deep hunger of a soul is Jesus Christ. Today, you may, be, you, know, you, you may be trying everything to satisfy a hunger of your soul. You may be trying alcohol, you may be trying some popular drug just to satisfy your hunger. There was this woman who met Jesus at a well in John chapter 4. And she had a hunger in her soul. She had a thirst in her soul. And she came to draw water and Jesus just simply explained to her. He says, listen, if you drank the water in that well, you're going to thirst again. She, she had so many husbands, she couldn't even remember the person. She would had so many husbands, she didn't even know who she was with at this time. And you get married five times or ten times or twelve times or more times and you still be thirsty. That's what Jesus was telling her. But if you drink the water that I give you, he said, you'll never thirst again. Then he preached about um, the bread of life in John chapter 6. Preached about the bread of life, and he he fed five thousand people, and he said, "I'm the bread of life, and he that eats this bread, meaning if if you receive this bread, me, you'll never be hungry again. Satisfaction. There are a lot of people here today in this room. There are a lot of people that'll be watching on TV. There are a lot of people that'll be listening to this on the radio." And because of sin, they just move from one messed up relationship to another one. Because they're trying to satisfy a hunger or a thirst that this world can't offer. And Jesus said, I've got the satisfaction you're looking for. They're trying to satisfy this this longing in their heart. Maybe another man will do it or maybe another woman will do it. But here's the point. When you receive Jesus, you'll find all that you need in that personal savior which is Jesus Christ only Jesus can satisfy the longing of a soul so friend listen that's real satisfaction now there are people in this room that today who've been and they've they've experienced cocaine they've experienced meth they, they've experienced alcohol uh, I can, I can name you every habit that is bad, every stronghold, and it would be represented here today. And I believe with all my heart, if they had time, they would stand up and they would say, when I drank that living water, when I finally drank that living water, I never needed cocaine, I never needed meth, I never needed alcohol, I never needed another ungodly relationship, I never needed pornography, I, I don't need stuff or things that the devil said would satisfy me, I just came to know Jesus. I got saved. I love that song, Saved, Saved, Saved by His power divine, Saved to new life, sublime, My life is, my joy is complete, Because why? I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. I like what uh, Herb Revis said in a message one time, He says, why don't you get saved, And when you can say, I got saved, He says, why don't you get saved? And when you say, when you you can say, I got saved, but you can't say, I got saved until you get saved, so why don't you get saved? My goodness, why don't you get saved? But you've got to be willing. Look at verse 19. Be willing and obedient. I'm almost finished. You say, Brother Sammy, I'm too bad. No, your sin has to be a scarlet. God didn't die on the cross for just nice people. He died on the cross for sinners, and we're all sinners. And some say, well, I'm too good. Really? Some people like to tell me how bad other people are. I get that from time to time. The point is, if all you can think about is what's wrong with everybody else, I wonder if you've ever been saved. Because it's by the grace of God, perhaps you're, you're not in there condition you're not in their shoes are you willing the bible says it's a volunteer response if you're willing and obedient i'll save you i'll satisfy you i'll change you so there's a gracious offer it's a volunteer response and real quick as a tragic result look at verse 20 he says but if you refuse and rebel you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the lord has spoken it he's speaking of god's sword of justice if you refuse his grace, you're going to meet him as a judge who will not give you, will not give you a pardon. You meet him as a judge, but because he's just, because he's just, he'll send you forever to this place called hell, separated from him, forever and forever. Look at verse twenty. He says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You need to underline that. Let me tell you what that means. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That means it. That settles it. That settles it. You accept Christ, you go to heaven. You reject Christ, you go to hell. That settles it. The only way to heaven is by the way of the cross. That settles it. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That settles it. There's no arguments. It's true. God said it. it's going to happen. That settles it. And so the point being today, you need to respond to the great invitation. I'll close with this illustration. Sunday night, October the 8th, 1871. What's today? The 7th. October the 7th, 2018. October the 8th, 1871. A preacher by the name of Dwight L. Moody was standing before the largest crowd he'd ever preached at in Chicago, his hometown. He preached that night from Matthew chapter 27, verse 22. Pilate's question. What shall I do with Jesus, the one who's called Christ? At the end of that message... Dwight L. Moody said this. He said, I want to give you time, I want you to take this question home with you. Think about it all week. And when you come back next Sunday, I'm going to tell you the answer. What shall I do with Jesus, the one who's called Christ? And Iris Sankey, his music evangelist, stood up and they began to sing a closing song. And as they were singing that invitation hymn, they began to hear bells ringing. They were fire bells. It is the old horse drawn fire wagons. And they could hear the, the ringing of these fire wagons all over Chicago, all across the city. And that night, that was the night of the great Chicago fire. And the fire burned for three days Sunday night, all day Monday, Monday night, then Tuesday evening told that 300 people lost their lives in that Chicago fire and over 1,000 people were left homeless. And Dwight L. Moody said this. he He said he would regret till he died that he did not give an invitation for people to get saved that night. He said until the day he died, he never saw that congregation again. He said that some of those very people may have died in that fire. And he said, I made a decision that night that I would never have a service and preach a message that I would not give people an opportunity to be, to be willing and obedient to respond to the great invitation and get saved, end of quote. It's serious. There's a gracious offer. There's a voluntary response. And there's a tragic re- consequence, result, if you reject it. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity I've had just to open your word and share from Isaiah chapter 1. I pray for every person here. And I pray as we have this invitation hymn, it's not my invitation, it's church's invitation, but this is your invitation. As you've spoken to people's hearts, As your Holy Spirit has gone out. And Father, I pray today that people would respond to your invitation. That they would be willing and that they would be obedient. Lord, knowing that you are a God that can save them. But not only save them, but to satisfy them. Father, you came to die on the cross for us. And you shed your blood for us. And it's your blood that cleanses us. From all of our sin. And when you look through your blood. You see us as white. You see us as our sins forgiven. We're not perfect. But we've been given your righteousness father. We've been forgiven. We've been cleansed. And so we thank you Lord today. That we can have the assurance that we can be saved. And we can be satisfied. Thank you for what you're going to do in this time of invitation. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.